0: so people would know. And Isaiah begins to see an image of God and he says his train's so big it began to fill up the entire place where I was. He said his train was limitless. His train was so big that all I could see everywhere, there was a train of material going everywhere all over that place. Signifying that, listen, I know King Uzziah may have been the man But my God, the King of Glory, has a train and a kingdom that fills everything all in all. And so he begins to change his perspective of who his God was. He began to see Him sitting on a throne. He began to see Him in a place where He's sitting, which means everything He said, He sat down to show that He's got authority for it. The train of His garment filled the temple. The Bible says this in 1 John 3 and 2, it says... Beloved, now we are the children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, when he is revealed, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. Now, listen, I'm going to submit to you. This is not speaking about heaven. It says, and we are his children, right? We are his children. And when we see him, we shall be like him. How? When he's revealed to us. Not when I just know a little bit about Him. But when revelation comes to me through the Holy Spirit and through the Word of God and through listening to sound teaching and preaching of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit begins to reveal to me the true character and the true deity and the true uh, wholeness and personship or personhood of God, that's when I will begin to be just like Him. We've got to, in the body of Christ, begin to change our perception of who He is. We've got to change our perception of who He is. Because He's not a God out to destroy me. He's not a God that wants to send me to hell. He's not a God that wants to keep me in sickness or poverty or disease. How do you know that? Because the Bible says in Hebrews that He is a high priest who is acquainted with the feeling of my infirmity, right? He was acquainted with the feeling of my infirmity. But listen, understand that it is not my infirmity or my problem or my mess that draws God to me. If God was moved by poverty, Africa would not be in poverty. If God was moved by trouble and trial and chaos, there wouldn't be any trouble or trial or chaos. God is moved by our right relationship with Him and our faith in knowing who He is. He is moved by my faith. He's not moved by my problem. Then my question is, why do we still spend the majority of our time confessing our problem to Him, confessing our problem to other people, confessing, 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 because when you get a right perspective of God, your confession will change. Can I show you what this means? When when He saw the Lord high and lifted up, it says that you saw around His throne seraphim that began to cry one to another, He's holy. He's holy. And they'd speak back to me. He's holy. He's holy. He's holy. They never got past even that description of God. He's holy. He's holy. And it says that as he saw that, it says smoke began to fill the place, right? Can I tell you what happens with us? How you really get God in your situation? It is when you and I get together and we begin to bounce back and forth off of us the goodness and the glory and the mercies of God. That's exactly when it happens. Pastor CT, stand up. Let me give this illustration real quickly. On top of the mercy seat, all right? On top of the mercy seat were what? Two, two angels, two seraphim, right? They were, they were, they were bowed down to one another, right? And the glory of God would fall down and it would rest on the mercy seat in between these two angels, right? And so, as what's happening in the throne room in this, in this example here, what's happening is the angels are right here and they're speaking, God is good, Pastor. And he's speaking back to me, God is good, God is good, God is great. What did God do for you today? God's doing awesome things in me. He did this for me. And now we're creating a place where God can come down and see Sit on the mercy seat and sit in a place. And what happens is when we begin to go and speak of the goodness of God, we are creating an environment for him to come down and literally sit in our situation. But he ain't going to show up when we're sitting there saying, Oh, I'm not going to make it today. The doctor gave me six months. I hope I got five. Oh, you know, they're laying off a hundred people at my job. Man, I'll probably be one of the first 25. God can't show up for you. But when I begin to say, well, that's okay, I'm a tither, and if i got to leave here, God will provide for me in the next job. If I, Man, listen, he by his stripes, I am healed, and I know what the doctor said. Man, and what we've got to do is, man, I'm going to give you some advice, and you can take it or leave it. But, man, if you got yourself around negative people always talking bad about God, always talking bad about the situation, always talking doom and gloom, you need to cut those people out of your life because God can't show up and do things in your life when you're hanging around all that negativity and all that junk and all that trash because you begin to speak it as well and what's happening is we have no idea why God won't show up in our churches and in our situations and if you just voice tape record what you're speaking listen, you'll hear your heart you've you got to create a place for God to show up God can't show up where he's, not, uh, where he's not described in truth God can't show up, you know why? because he's holy he's holy He's holy. We've got to change our upward vision of who He is. We've got to change who He is. We've got to change who we see Him You understand if you see your Father as blessed, you'll see yourself as blessed. Do you understand that? You understand God can't give you something He doesn't have and God doesn't have sickness? Jesus came to take sickness off of me. He didn't come to put it on me. The enemy came to put stuff like that on me, not, not, not God. God came to remove the sin from my life. He came to restore the broken relationship. He come to, He came to make me whole. He came to make me sound. He came to give me life and life more abundantly. And if cancer kills me, it's from the enemy. Cancer kills me because the devil comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. But Christ has come to give me life and life more abundantly. We've got to quit calling the things of the devil, things of God, and things of God, things of the devil. Amen. We've got to get a right perspective of God. We've got to have an upward vision. Our upward vision, who how we see God, will change our inward vision. It'll change how we see ourselves. We read there a few moments ago that when we see Him, when He is revealed to us, that's when I can become more like Him. That's when I can begin to line myself up with Him. They cried out one to another, Holy, 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 Holy is the Lord God Almighty. Let me read this to you out of 1 Peter 1. It says, therefore gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance, but as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct because it is written, be holy for I am holy. Now I'm going to hit you up with something you may have never heard before. And listen, I believe in holiness. I believe in righteousness. I believe in right living. But let me explain to you what holiness is. Holiness is not growing your hair long. Holiness is not wearing makeup or not wearing makeup. Holiness is not dressing up in a suit or wearing jeans. Holiness is not wearing jewelry or not wearing jewelry. And what we've done, holiness is a heart condition based on the relationship and the revelation I have of my father. And what happens is man has come along somehow and realized that I wasn't hitting the mark. And so we've tried to obtain holiness through fleshly means. And we've tried to live for God through the flesh instead of through the spirit. So our hearts are bad. uh, That's why You'll have someone with long hair and abundant, no makeup, gossiping about everybody in that church. Because they've changed the outward appearance, but they haven't let the word of God change their heart. See, that's why you got someone mad when we buy a new bus out here to get our teens everywhere and bring people into church. And you're all mad because we're misusing the funding. But you go out and buy you a brand new top of the line off the showroom floor, F-150, with every bell and whistle that's on it. And you ain't got no problem with that. It's because your heart's wrong and see so you're trying to obtain holiness through the flesh instead of holiness through the spirit of God because what holiness means is separated they said he's separated when they were crying he is holy he is holy he is holy they were declaring listen that's all we've got to say about him because he's holy he's separated from sin he's separated from sickness he's separated from disease he's separated from poverty he's separated from gossip he is separated from, from, from things that would try to destroy me he He is separated from from an attack coming against my marriage and trying to tear it up. He is separated from my children being on drugs. He is separated from that. He is holy. He holds himself different. He holds himself at a different level. He holds himself in a different realm. He is holy. He is separate. He's not intertwined and and mixed and, and intermingled with that. He is holy. He is separate. So understand, he says, I am holy, therefore be you holy. He's not saying, I, I don't cut my hair, so don't you cut your hair. He is saying, I'm not hooked into disease, so don't you be hooked in with disease. You be like me. He's saying, I'm not hooked in with sin, so don't you be hooked up with sin. Because I am holy. I'm separated from that. He's saying, I'm not, I'm not in poverty. So don't you be in poverty. You live like me. And how we see Him, we'll begin to separate ourselves unto Him. And if it's not in Him, I don't want it, nor do I have to have it in my life. Because He is holy. He's separated. And therefore I can stand holy and separated from the thing that was meant to destroy me. Amen. I'm holy. I'm holy. I'm not holy because of what I've got on. I'm not holy because of who my mommy and daddy is. I'm not holy because I belong to the church of God. I'm not holy because I come to this church. I am holy because He is separated. And once I became born again, I died. And I became dead in Christ. But I also was buried with Him. And I rose again. Now the life that I live, I live as Christ living in me. And I live with Christ as the life of God on the inside of me. The same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lives on the inside of every born-again believer. And so we've got to begin to stand up and act like it. But unless we have our upward vision uh, uh, in line and know who He is, we'll never understand who we are in Him. Amen. We'll never understand who we are in Him. Listen, we've, we have got to get back to a place where we understand that, that I am not, I am not some old sinner saved by grace. See, people get mad when you say that because they think I'm speaking holier than thou, but I'm not. I know what he did for me, and I know I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, not in myself. I'm the righteous because of what he did for me, and I stand firm in what he did for me. Amen. I'm righteous because of him. I'm holy because of him. I'm sanctified, saved, delivered because of him. And so, when you understand this, we've got to get a right uh, perception of who He is. And I'll tell you why. Because Proverbs 28, 19 in the Amplified Bible says this. It says, where there is no vision. The word vision there means where there is no redemptive revelation of God. That's where the people perish. They cast off restraints. (coughs) They run wild. Where there is no vision. Where there is no redemptive revelation of who he is. Your life goes, it's a mess. See, that's why sickness is infiltrated into the church. Because we don't understand that by his stripes, we've been healed. We have no redemptive revelation. You understand, we have no revelation of the redemption that was bought for us. That's why we allow our families to be tore up and our children to go into drugs and to do all this. And we don't take our stand because we forget and don't understand that He came to set at liberty those who were captive. And I'm in Christ and there is no way my family is going down that road because I'm the priest of my home. I'm seated in Christ Jesus. Where's He? He's seated at the right hand of the Father in authority. I delegate from a throne room. In Christ Jesus, it's already been purchased. I have a vision and a revelation of my redemptive revelation, right? I've got to know God and I've got to know what Christ purchased for me. And once I learn what Christ has purchased for me, now I can walk in the finished redemptive process. Why do you say this? Because redemption means that it was purchased for me. I'm not trying to get my stuff. I've already got the stuff. I'm believing so that it becomes manifest in my life. Healing's already been bought for the church. Prosperity's already been bought for the church. Salvation has already been bought for the church. Peace has already been brought for the church. All these things, His joy, joy of the Holy Spirit, the baptism with the Holy Spirit, that's already been purchased by Christ for the church. The Holy Spirit, listen, Jesus is God's gift to the world right but the holy spirit is god's gift to the church god's gift to the world was jesus but his gift to the church is the holy spirit and if you get a redemptive revelation of who he is listen (laughs) this is amazing to me because we've got to begin to see what god is saying how do we do that another way that we get revelation do you understand that's why we come to church that's why we come to church. We don't come to church to do a little skip and a buck and a turn. That's not why we come to church. We come to church because it, we're going to come in and we're going to worship God and we're going to set an atmosphere for Him to show up, right? And when He shows up, that's when the miraculous begins to happen because I can't save you, but He can. I can't heal you, but He can. I can't help you, but He can. And so as we begin to really worship, listen, He begins to show up and He begins to minister the hearts and minister the lives, right? Right? And so as we begin to do that, uh, God shows up, right? You, you should never have to come to church if, if you really understand your position in Him and you're really worshiping and living in a lifestyle of worship. You should never have to come to church and get hyped up. See, we've made church a high. We left the drug and now church is our new high. Oh, that's, that's good preaching. <laughs> see, we've left, we've left the drug because, see, we used to take the drug and get high off the drug. Now we come to church and get high. So if the music doesn't entertain me, then I can't worship. Mm-hmm. Oh, if the preaching isn't my style, I can't listen and apply it to my life. Because I've got to be entertained. I've got to get high. I've got to get high on church. But God didn't save you and I to be high on church. God saved you and I to be disciplined followers and disciples and carriers of the kingdom and carriers of His glory. And so when we come here, we set an atmosphere of praise and worship where he can come down and he can minister to lives and change lives. But also, we come here where God has placed a pastor in our lives. Do you understand there are only some things you and I can receive because God has given us a gift of the pastor? He's given us a gift that's a pastor? And so how does the anointing flow? The anointing flows from the head down. The revelation, the vision that God's given for this house flows from our pastor down. And so there are only some things I can only receive as I come here and get revelation of who God is and what God wants to do in my life. And i only get that through a pastor. Uh, can I say something without you getting mad? And if you do, it doesn't bother me anyhow. Huh. If God speaks vision from the head down, why in the world do you have an opinion on what the vision is? Because God did not speak the vision to you. Amen. God did not speak the vision to you. It is our job as the body of Christ to link up with the vision. And that's fine if you're not into this vision of this house. That's great. It's okay. But there's a place for you. (laughs) amen because pastor not changing his vision and it's funny every time there's a vision and a move of God it's 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 amazing how everyone's got an opinion about. I didn't like the way they're going the direction they're going Mm, I I don't I don't like how things are going I, I like the way it used to be We are changing. We are moving. God is changing. God is moving. God is going to taking us from level to level and glory to glory and realm to realm. And I'm going to ride that train into glory wherever He takes me. I'm going to get on board and I'm going to run through this thing and run through this thing called life. And I'm going to hook up with the vision of this house. And I've got to know on the inside of me that there is a vision, there is a purpose, there is is a reason for my existence. And my inward vision has to move me and propel me through life. Listen, Abraham, (laughs) listen to what God told Abraham. Abraham, God always speaks to people through vision. He always speaks to your future through vision. He always gives you something that you have to see. He may say it, but he's got to give you something that you have to see. If you don't see it, you can't have it. Mm. That's why he told Abraham, (laughs) he said, Abraham, whatever you can see, as far, Abraham, as you're willing to look, that's what I'll give you. Abraham, do you understand Israel could be covering this entire earth today? (laughs) Because God said, Abraham, I'm going to give you all the land that you want. As far as you're willing to see, that's what I'll give you. As far as your foot shall tread, that's what I'll give you as an inheritance. The only reason that Israel's so big is because Abraham didn't walk very far. (laughs) He said, as far as you can see, that's what I'll give you. Can I tell you that principle still applies to us in the body of Christ today? If you begin to see your father right, you'll begin to see yourself right. And as much as you can see, God will give you, if you can see yourself healed, God will line Himself up and, and, and you'll receive your healing. If you can see yourself blessed, if you can see your children saved, if you can see this church growing, if you can see yourself out of that mess, if you can see it, God will give it to you. As far as you can see, God will bless you if you have a revelation of the redemptive work that He created for you and I. Abraham, he says, as far as you can see, he says, Peter, when he's walking on the water, he says, man, Peter's walking on the water there, and he falls. Now, you know what? I've heard people bash Peter for years. I'm telling you, I wouldn't have got out the boat. (laughs) You can get on to him all you want, but you wouldn't have seen me even crying out to him, right? The only reason he, he began to sink and fall is because he took his eyes off the vision, and he began to look at his circumstance. And God's promised us that if we'll keep our eye on on Jesus and on the redemptive revelation and the redemptive work that He's purchased for us, we're not going to fall. Why? Because, man, I'm not fighting from a side of of being a loser. I'm fighting from the side of being a victor because the victory's already been won for me. I'm not trying to get anything. I've already got everything because of what Christ did for me. He tells Thomas... Isn't it amazing he shows up there and he tells everyone that he's he's risen from the dead and everyone believes him but Thomas. It's amazing to me that Jesus would have the audacity to come back again just for Thomas. Just for Thomas. If you want to know your God, I'll tell you who your God is. Your God is a God that loves you and wants to have a personal relationship with you and personally show you in your life who he is and that he loves you and what he wants to do with you. Yes, He is. And if you've got no vision for your life, it's because you're not spending enough time with God. Amen. That's truth. If you don't have a vision for your life, it's because you're not spending enough time with God. Well, I don't know what God's will for me is. Listen, man, you've got to begin to spend time with God and know what you're good at, some of your passions. Let me help you out a little bit. If if you come here and, you you know, you're listening to worship and whatever, and you're, oh, that alto's way off. You probably have been called somewhere to help out in in the music department. Amen. (laughs) If you're here and you're looking at this, at these lockers and you're sitting there looking at them. Man, you know what? They're not evenly spaced. That looks like poor craftsmanship. I'm I'm not offending anybody. I don't know who made these. But... But man, these these could have been better. Man, you're probably called to shock and awe to help build and help use your hands and help. Man, listen, but you've got to understand that as God begins to deal with you and you get your vision, you've got to use it and you've got to do things with it. An outward vision. He said, here am I, send me. We here at the Tabernacle of Praise, the vision here is that we will establish the kingdom in this house. We will, we will raise up a strong, mature group and body of Christ that walk in the kingdom and the power of the kingdom of God. It will start here and we will spread the gospel out to our surrounding communities, to our state, to our nation. We will reach the ends of the earth. Yes, we will. We're already sitting in mission trips. This year alone, we've got three offerings that we're doing because we're taking three mission trips. One's local, one's on the outside, and one's overseas. Amen? So listen, uh, we, we are doing that. The vision of this house, though, is why people do what we do. There's a reason that we do what we do here at the Tabernacle of Praise. And it's not to make goosebumps, and it's not to make people happy, and it's not to make people mad. It's because of vision. There is vision, man. There are some times, and let's just be honest about it, There are some things that I do. There are some things I do in my life. There are some things I do here that I don't like to do. <laughs> and you don't either. Don't look at me religiously. We're not religious here. You don't like to do them, but why do you do them? Because it supports the vision. Because you can look ahead and you can see where God's taken us. You can look ahead and you can see the finished work. You can look ahead and understand and believe those promises that God showed you for your personal life and for this house. You can look ahead and you can see those things. And I'm willing because of that to do all these other little things to get there. Yeah, I'm, I'm a sales rep in, in my professional life. And I'll tell you what's funny. There are some certain things. I, man, I got to go on the phone all the time, man. Just call up these strangers. Hey, Jimmy was Can I come down and set an appointment with you? I hate doing that. About every two or three calls, click, click. And I do that for hours. I hate doing it. If I don't do it, I don't set appointments. If I don't set appointments, I can't present. If I don't present, I can't sell. If I can't sell, I can't eat. <laughs> There are reasons that I do what I do because my vision says I need that paycheck to support my family. I want to buy the new boat and the new house and the new car. If I don't do these things, I can't get to the paycheck. And if I don't get the paycheck, I can't have what I've envisioned doing and using with that source. It's a process. Here at the Tabernacle of Praise, listen, I want to tell you a little bit, real quickly, about why we do what we do and what each one does. First of all, you've got the frontline team. <coughs> Excuse me. The frontline team, and I want you to listen to me as I say these things. I'm almost finished. But I want you to listen and, and just hear what the purpose is behind this. Man, anyone can stand at the front door and shake someone's hand, anyone can do that. You can train a monkey to do that. <laughs> But there's a purpose behind what we're doing. There's a reason behind what we're doing. You've got to have a heart and a passion for people. Why? Because you are inviting them from a hopeless world and in a mess into a place where they can experience their faith and into a place where they can meet with their Savior and meet with a Creator and meet with a place and meet with a God and serve a God and be introduced to a God. That can take all their trouble away, that can save them, that can heal them, that can deliver them. The reason, man, the reason we're in the parking lot is because, man, the first thing you see when you come in that parking lot, man, you just feel good about yourself driving up in this parking lot and you're greeted out there. Listen, we're not doing that because we think you're too silly to know how to park your car. <laughs> we're doing that to welcome people. Amen. Why? Because Christ welcomes people. He says, All you who are who are weary and heaven laden, come unto me. And I will give you rest. We are accepted in the beloved. He welcomes us. That's why we do that, man. If you've got a love for people, I call it, uh, and and it's frontline. but I call it the kingdom connectors. I do. I call that ministry the kingdom connectors. Because you're connecting people from where they are. And you're connecting them somewhere to the kingdom. Amen. You're connecting them into the kingdom. Our follow-up ministry. Man. Our follow-up ministry is is when you go and, uh, you know, you've seen people. Some of you have had letters and cards before and and all of that. I did when I first came and all of that. Man, we want to show people that we love you and we appreciate you. And other people may not want you, but we do. God wants you and we want you. There is a place and there is a purpose for you. So we're going to follow up with you if you've got needs, if you've got troubles. We're going to follow up with people. We're not just going to let people come in here and sneak out the back door. If you don't want to stay, that's fine we ain't going to let you go without a fight because we love you and we want to see God do great things in your life. If you like to follow up with people, if you like to keep them connected that way, if you like to make sure they're coming back and getting their needs met, man, get involved. Shock and awe, man. Listen, it is more than just these videos and this music and all this stuff. I wish that sometimes you all could stand up here in this position where I'm at right now. And you can begin to see during an altar call or something like that what shock and awe really, really does. It sets an atmosphere that works on the senses of people and places us in a right position where we can truly begin to open our heart and we can really begin to worship God. There are times when people will not break down, but man, there's something about, you know, when these lights and they begin to dim and all that, man, you can see the countenance on people begin to change. We're not doing it to manipulate people. We're doing it to create an environment conducive to them bowing their hearts and listening to the Holy Spirit minister to them. They do great things. It's a great information tool. Man, if that is your passion, if you have been talented uh, and blessed with talent to operate in that area, man, we need you to get involved in that area, man. It's about people, right? It's not about some computer and some lights. you got to understand everything we're talking about now is pointing back to people. It's about people, man. It's not about a computer. It's about people. It's about lives being changed. Oh, you care if it was your family that needed to be saved? You care if you got the bad doctor's report wanting to make sure that that happened for you? The driven student ministries. Do you understand what Pastor Matt and Tiffany are doing with the lives of them? And I've talked with them. You can hear the passion in their heart, the passion in their voice. Man, we've got great ministers here that minister to our, to our middle school, our high school people. They are, they're doing more than just teaching them a little bit of Bible. They are raising a generation that will go into the future and the now. And they will walk into the future and they will take to their generation the power, the presence, the purpose of God. In a world when you look around and you see all, it seems like all hell breaking loose around our world and around our community. We hear the tabernacle, Pastor Matt and Pastor Tiffany, they are raising up. A generation that goes into our world and they are a light. Man, they love God. They know the word. And I would be blessed to have my children here. Amen. These kids aren't on drugs here. If they come here, they get delivered. Amen. These kids come in and get saved. Amen. If you've got a passion for middle school, if you've got a passion for for high school children, man, we need you. We need you. (laughs) Praise and worship. If you are talented and can play an instrument, if you can sing, man, we need you. Why? Because as we begin to praise and as we begin to worship, we begin to create a mercy seat for God to come down. Why? The Bible says God inhabits the praises of His people Israel. And as we begin to praise and we begin to worship Him, the presence and the tangible anointing and power of God begins to come down and sit in the midst of us. Now, I don't know about you, but last time I read Acts chapter 16, when Paul and Silas began to praise God, you didn't even need to have someone up here preaching. (laughs) The Holy Ghost, God just showed up and put His big foot right down the middle of that chaos. Chains fell off the people who were praising. But you know what's awesome about that? People that didn't even know how to praise or who to praise to began to praise and their chains fell off too. People are needing our worship. Why? They need our worship because in my worship is a key that unlocks the chains in the prison that you might be in. Why? Because as I praise and worship Him, He shows up. He comes down in my midst. He comes down and takes care of the situation. Our tab kids, man, Pastor Eric and the tab kids, man, they are awesome. I've never been to a place, and I mean this in my whole life, I've been in ministry for over 13 years, and I've never been to a place where when I walk by one of these little children, man, they're quoting word, they're excited. You hear parents all the time, man, they're driving me crazy going home, just telling me what they learned, quoting scriptures, making me look bad. Man, what a blessed place to have children that love God and are being taught the word of God, amen? Hey. Hey. <laughs> My little girl loves to finger paint and play with (laughs) Play-Doh. But they're doing more than doing that here, amen. They're getting the Word of God. Because the Word of God will change them. And if we don't get them at that age, man, we're going to lose a generation. Right? We're going to lose a generation if we don't get them there. Man, if you're called to work with children, if you're called to work in the nursery, if you're called to do anything with children, we need you. We need you. Let me speak about nursery for one moment. A nursery is not a babysitting program. It is not a babysitting program. I appreciate the fact that we have a nursery and I will tell you why. Because everywhere we go, my wife walking around with a two year old on her hip. Everywhere we go, right? Man, on nights that we can't have a have a nursery here, man, it's it's rougher, right? Man, y'all have all been there. We're trying to entertain her. We're trying to keep her happy. We're trying to keep her from being a distraction. You know, her attention, she's running everywhere. Listen, when you work the nursery, when you work the children's program, when you work the youth ministry, man, you're ministering to two sets of people. You're ministering life into that child, and you're ministering to their parents too. Because when we do that, we free that parent up to come in here. We You don't know if they're working two jobs doing all they can to make ends meet. But you're allowing them for a, two or three hours on a Sunday to come into a place where they can hear an uncompromised word of God spoken from our pastor. They can experience the tangible presence of God. They can be set free. They can become born again. They can learn how to be blessed. They can learn how to be healed. They can learn how to walk in the kingdom. And as they learn to walk in the kingdom of God, that's a whole life and a whole family that's been saved. And now we've planted good ground into this house. And now they're going to go out and do the same thing. And it's going to begin to grow and begin to continue to duplicate itself over and over again. You're not just a diaper changer. Amen. Listen, if you're called to do that, we need you. (laughs) We need you. Outreach. Listen, part of our ministry here is for outreach. We outreach in this community. How many people know that God said we're going to clothe the the naked, we're going to feed the widow, we're going to care for the orphan? Amen? There are people that every time, if you'll look, the biggest miracles that Jesus performed is when he fed them. He said, I'm going to take care of your physical need, and if I take care of your physical need, I can get to their heart. We do that here at the Tabernacle of Praise. Amen. If you're interested in helping out, reaching out the community, we do coat drives, we do uh, food pantry, we feed them. Uh, man, there, we do all kinds of stuff. Part of our, we send missions overseas. Amen. We send people here to go and minister the people overseas and locally. Man, we are reaching out. We are becoming the hands and the feet of Jesus in this place. We are taking the kingdom to a lost and dying world. If if that's your passion, we need you. <laughs> if that's your passion, we need you. Life groups. Everyone here that belongs to this church should be connected to a life group. Yes, you should. Because we need people. I need somebody. Because I'm standing up here today doesn't mean that I don't have junk going on in my life sometimes. Amen. And I need people. I need to connect with people. God never called any of us to, to stand alone. I need you as my brother. I need you as my sister. I need you and you need me. I've got things inside of me that you need. There are things inside of you that I need. When trouble comes, when life comes, when trouble comes and all these bad things come, man, I need people to hold me up. You remember when Moses was there fighting and, and, and his arms would drop. And every time his arms would drop, the Israelites would begin to lose the battle. <laughs> and so Aaron and Hur came over and they had to hold the arms up of Moses. And as long as his arms were up, the whole team won. Man, sometimes I need someone to hold my arms up. What do life groups do? Man, you connect with people. We are a people-driven ministry at the Tabernacle of Praise. We are here to worship God. We are here to minister to people. This is a place where we experience God. We engage our culture here. Amen. We are equipped here. We experience our faith here. And I want to encourage you today. Listen, if you're not involved somewhere in the church and you call this home, I am asking you, I, I, I am asking you, we need your help. We need your help. Five hundred, That's what pastor's vision is. Amen? Amen. See, it gets quiet when you say that. Only one or two. There are 500. There's a reason that that it's 500. Because 500 represents lives. See, some of you are sitting here just not even caring about what I'm talking about, man. But listen, you need an upward vision of God to change your life. Yes, you do. Sometimes we need an upward vision because whenever ministry becomes about you, whenever ministry becomes about this, and we become selfish in the body of Christ. We've become so selfish in the body of Christ. And we have become a place where we live with a mentality of dirt. We have a dirt mentality. What do you mean by a dirt mentality? The only thing dirt's good for is to sow into. Dirt never sows back into me. I always have to sow in dirt. Man, listen, if I don't sow grass in my backyard and there's no seed, it just becomes a mud hole that makes everything messy. The only thing I can do the dirt is continue to sow in it, continue to sow in it, continue to sow in it. But I don't produce or and reproduce from the dirt. No, we don't. We reproduce by the seed, not the dirt. The dirt does nothing for me. Why is it in the body of Christ, people keep wanting to have stuff sewn into you, 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 while a generation is going to hell because we won't sow our lives and our talents and our treasures back into the kingdom for the glory of God. Amen. Why is that? We've become a selfish generation. Why? Because we've lost who He is. If I have a revelation that God so loved the world, that he gave, you all come and give us a song, If God, for God so loved the world, that he gave Jesus for me. How did he do that? He sowed a seed. What do you mean? What do you do with a seed? You take a seed, you plant it in the dirt. The seed, not the dirt, produces your harvest. Are you with me? The seed, not the dirt. The dirt does nothing for anyone. Matter of fact, <laughs> when you're planting a seed, you got to find and make sure all your dirt's even the, the right kind of dirt. Right? I mean, you're out there. I've seen people. There's a lady on my street, man, and she's got flowers everywhere, trees everywhere, and, and all this. Man, I see her going out there with these little vials, and she's digging in the dirt. I'm like, man, what are you doing? She's filling up these little containers. She ships these stupid things off. <laughs> And, and has her dirt tested. I said, what are you doing? Well, i got to have the right environment to grow and, and produce whatever I'm sowing. Man, she probably spends all summer to get this dirt right so she can sow some flowers. And I'm just telling you, it's not my cup of tea. I'm not, I'm not knocking on anybody. But she does all that. She's out picking the weeds and everything. And finally it finally looks perfect. And then it frosts. <laughs> right? Because then it's fall. <laughs> but man, listen, we've got an opportunity here to change people's lives. Amen. We've got an opportunity here to change people's lives. You all stand to your feet with me this morning. Listen, we have an opportunity to change people's lives. Aren't you glad that when, <laughs> when you needed a rescuer, when you needed a savior, when you needed someone to call from you, aren't you glad that someone led you to Jesus? Aren't you glad that someone was willing and obedient to work and help you out and shake your hand and welcome you in the parking lot and tell you they love you and if you didn't show up the next week, follow up with you and make sure that, that, that everything's okay and, and when we're here, it's set an atmosphere where we can worship and experience God. Aren't you glad that you heard someone preach the truth of the Word of God without cowering down? Amen. Amen. So that you heard the truth? Aren't you glad that because of all that, the stage was set, the lighting was set for you to be able to hear God minister to your heart? And as He ministered to your heart, what happened to you as you began to hear Him say, Man, I love you. Will you come unto me? Those are all the things that we do here. And we need you. We need you. We need you. People need you. For every person that's here today, there are a hundred people in this community that are lost and dying and on their way to hell. Yes, there are. You can read the newspaper. If you go into a gas station, you all go into a gas station after church, there's these little on the counter. You know what I'm talking about, like these people that have been arrested and all their pictures and and all that. Guys, that's just just Putnam County. That book's brand new every week. It's that thick every week. That's Putnam County. I think and canal and everything else. Man, there are people that need a real and living Savior in their life. And it's going to take you and me standing up and saying, God, you're holy. Therefore, I am holy. I see you in a different light. You are my healer. You are my deliverer. You are my Savior. You are my go-between. You are my Redeemer. You are everything that I need. And I'm willing to take you to the people. And if you'll just commission me, I'll go and do what you've called me to do. And God's answer to you today is still the same as it was to Isaiah go